Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. The podcast about rugby, actually. Uh, I am here in studio with Phil. Hello, Philip. Hello, JB. And down the line is Tim. And if you're wondering why I sound so neurotic, it's because it has been a very, very stressful day with our Tier 2 tour to Madrid just around the corner. How say you boys? Stressful, JB. Surely everything is already planned to perfection, running smoothly like a well-oiled machine that the Egg Chaser Rugby podcast is. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> That's the case for everything we're in control of. Yes. Well, let's not uh, let's not burn any bridges just yet, Timothy. <laughs> oh, so we've got Madrid coming up. I've got my my business end end of year, i.e., the firm I work for. It's nearly April, which is obviously busy. And then to compound it all, they throw International Women's Day right in my face. <laughs> so the wor- the worst day of all. <laughs> You've been very. You see, I, I, Sorry, go I, on. Tim. I wasn't sure. I, I don't know what I was. I don't know what I'm allowed to say or what I'm not allowed to say. Um, like oh, this it, it, there's minefields everywhere. Oh, everywhere. Social justice warriors at every at every turn, and I don't know what I'm allowed to say or what I'm not. Oh, just don't say anything. Just don't say. Just end your life. Just just end it because because that, that's what they want. Anyone who identifies as a woman is great and equally great as anyone else. Correct. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy your day. Equality is the most important thing and everyone is equal in everything. Absolutely right. So let's get into it. Let's talk about some things which won't be that equal this, this week. <laughs> let's talk about England, France. Le Crunch. <laughs> Le Crunch. The famous Le Crunch. Um, right, so to, re- to recap Eddie Jones's side, he has... Made three changes, some into his fifteen, some enforced. Well, we we, we don't know. We assume some are enforced by injury. Which ones are you thinking? Others, well, the the hooker selection of Jamie George. Oh yeah, yeah, that is a big He's assumption, still isn't Hartley it? Injured. Hartley, Hartley um, injured. In, Hartley is injured. Sure, he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and we 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 don't know. I suspect he would have picked Sam Underhill in the back row with Chris Robshaw on the flanks. I think you're right. Um, I think you're right on that because I think if if he hadn't, well, yeah, I I I think you're right because Haskell's on the bench basically. Does that make sense? I think otherwise he'd have put yeah. they'd have made they'd have had Haskell start they would have had Haskell starting. I think Underhill would have gone to the bench actually, so he'd have been in the matchday squad. Is what I'm trying to say. Um, I don't think I think Haskell and Underhill are just a, a one for one. You only have one of them in the squad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and Underhill would have been on the bench ahead of Haskell. Yeah, that that's sort of what sort of sort of what I'm saying. Okay, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure that's what you did say, but yeah, it's it's been a long day, Phil. Long day. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll we'll go with so, it. My my one observation. No, of hang the on. Reaction... 
reactions to the England squad. Yeah. Just purely the reaction is, I found it quite whingy from other England fans. Like the number of England fans that have been saying for ages, I want to see Watson at fullback. I want to see Jamie George at hooker. Um, and they've, they've sort of parked those two positives and just focused on, oh, but the back row, oh, the back row. Just it, it feels a bit whingy. I'm quite positive. I, I'm excited by this England side. Um, hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, here's where I would go with it. Okay, am I the only? Okay, let's go with Anthony Watson first. Am I the only person who doesn't who thinks he's not that good at fullback? No, I, I've watched him frequently at Bath, and I've said this before. I think he's an exceptional talent, truly exceptional talent. Agreed. I think often, particularly when I watch him at fullback, his decision making isn't quite right. Yep. He kicks when he should run, and he runs when he should kick. Yep. Now that that's a very broad statement, but that's the feeling I get. Agreed. Um, the other one. I also think, I, I would say Anthony Watson seems to excel on bigger stages and surrounded by really good players. You saw that with the Lions. We've seen True. that with England, and he's got Elliot Daly in that back three with him, who is very intelligent. Um, yeah. Well, player. I guess the thing with Watson is he's just that good that no matter what the circumstance, he has to be picked. And I see that, but I believe he's only that good on the wing. I don't believe he's that good at fullback. And I, I think they're missing something. I, I mean, maybe Elliot Daly has a better skill set to play at fullback. But he's not got the experience. He's hardly played there. No, it's true. I, I mean, it does baffle me why, if the England attack is a problem, let's face it, it is, why Alex Good isn't the obvious choice. <laughs> I mean, he's so obvious. But, you know, there you go. Uh, so I, yeah. I, I want to temper this slightly, just, just on, on a general point, that these... These problems that England have. Ooh, I'm excited. Like, uh, well, it's just, it feels a little bit, dis- firstly, it feels a bit disrespectful to Scotland, who I said on a previous podcast, they're, they're incredibly good at home. Uh, and- no, it doesn't, actually. I think just Scotland exposed England. I don't think there's any anything said about the Scottish here, because the Scottish didn't just beat England, they battered them. Well, what, my point here is, to, to sort of say that that there's huge deficiencies in England because they lost to Scotland, I, I think is um, I think it's overblown. I think these the talk of England's problems are there things they need to evolve slightly and 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 get and get better at and be more on point with. Yeah, totally. But I think there's just been a massive overreaction. The pendulum has swung completely the other way. They've won 24 out of 26 and they lost to a Scotland side who were outstanding at home yeah push New Zealand all the way battered Australia at home I just I, I I'm not saying there aren't areas that I want to see improvement on but I just think the the the, the negativity around England all of a sudden from people I just massively overblown I don't get it yeah um, it's an interesting one I I think people are just sort of coming around to the fact that England aren't maybe as good as they hope to be and it's all about relativity it's all about uh, not the not the physics theory, obviously. Um, <laughs> it's all about where the England want to be, and that's where they're going to come up against the problem. They probably they probably want to be somewhere like where Ireland are, or you know, touching the All Blacks, and they're just not there. And this and and, and this is the problem. I think a lot of international games have been played over the last two years, which are just not of a high enough standard. So all of England's autumn internationals were not of a high enough standard to test them truly. Uh, I believe it's probably the same last year. I don't think that some of the Six Nations teams that they've played so far have been that good. So you've got Italy, you know, you've got Wales, who 
I think are okay. They can score a lot of tries when they want, but they're not great. So of all these games, where have England's truly world-class tests been? If you look at it from that perspective, the only one they've really had in the last two years has been Ireland in Ireland in terms of world-class. And Scotland did put in a world-class performance. Yeah. Uh, To be fair, they won three in a row in Australia. And that's that's bloody amazing. That is very difficult. Maybe a a slightly weaker, slightly undercooked Australian team. Yeah. But to to go back to your point, Tim, I think I think you're right that um, the failings of England, particularly from that game, have been magnified by two things. One, we've got we had a rest weekend, so mm. there is nothing. So Six Nations is obviously the biggest thing at the moment. There is nothing for rugby writers to write about other than Six Nations in this week, and the last thing that happened was a poor England performance. So they're going to continually write about a poor England performance. But this is what I don't get about the rugby writers. Why are they not writing about the process rather than the results? Anyone can write about the results. But what about the things leading up to it? They are doing. What are you reading? Huh? What are you reading? Because that's that's what I'm doing. No, all I'm reading is, if you you listen to the tone that they've taken post-England, I mean, Mara Toji was a bit of a scapegoat. Um... I think Stuart, Stuart Bourne said that they needed to change five players. Um, so you know, what, yeah, not, was, it wasn't Stuart. Was it, um, was it Stephen Jones? Uh, yeah, Stephen Jones, sorry. I mean, they've gone from... Yeah, they're, they're a pretty good team. I mean, changing five players, ditching... Lawrence Delali, ditch your captain. You know, th- that isn't analysing the process. That is reacting to the results. Captain's gone. Captain's gone. So Lawrence is right. <laughs> well done, Lawrence. But yeah, that... that that, that's what I'm saying. Now, can I draw your attention to what I think is the most interesting matchup? I don't know if it's going to be key, but it's interesting. Uh, yes. Matthew Bastereau running a hard line towards Ford and Farrell. <laughs> how, how do they stop it? Well, Farrell will go very high and probably get bounced. Yeah, obviously. Go, I mean, imagine going for your big shot on, on Matthew Bastereau. And you're... Farrell's probably four stone lighter, something like that. Well, he's two... St- um, I think Bastro is heavier than any England forward. <laughs> he's twenty. He's just approaching 20 stone, I think. Uh, well, so Mako's around that weight, I believe. Is he? Nathan Hughes is also around that weight. But uh, I I also... I don't believe the listed weight of Bastero. I think he's. I think he's heavier than his listed. Oh weight. really? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's two stone heavier than Teo, apparently. I, three stone was what I read. Oh really? Mm. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing, right? I don't think Teo is the right guy to put in there. So the I think what the thought is is they want Teo to go forward. Yeah, as an alternative to Nathan Hughes for the go forward. Yeah, and I get that completely. But I think I'd have to play him at twelve. I think I'd have to play him at twelve for two reasons. Okay, so. If you play him at 12, you can play Jonathan Joseph at 13, who is very good defensively. As good as he is going forward, he's very good defensively. And if you're a big fella and your thing is dominating other people, when you can't dominate another person, i.e. Matthew Bastereau, what do you do now? Because you've done it all of your career. Whereas Jonathan Joseph can make a tackle. And, well, that's it, because he's never been as big, as big as everyone else. I mean, he's not a small bloke, but that's not his game. He's not big by international rugby standards. Yes, correct. Then on the other hand, you've got this rapid little guy. He's not even even that little, but I think I'm saying his name right. Demaru? Dumaru. Dumaru, who is great, and he loves to run that little outside arc. So between them, you've got this lovely balance of massive amounts of power 
and huge amounts of pace. So they should have really moved Tio in one, kept Jonathan Joseph, and then kept um, kept Farrell in the team, moving him to ten. That that that's what I think because it's a game of chess, and at the moment Eddie looks like he's made all of the wrong moves. From your perspective, what's your take on that, Tim? Give me the positive spin on that. Well, the positive spin is when you're the ranked number two team in the world and you're aspiring to win a World Cup, you you focus on the danger that you possess and two playmaking distributors. Uh, and Owen Farrell has actually developed himself as a ball carrier in the last year or two. We've seen that in, in Premiership games and in England games. Yeah, uh, and and also when you've got those two guys, um, and you've got the the threat that. Ben Teo will will pose in attack. He's going to keep those centres honest, mm. and that's going to create space for a back three with unbelievable amounts of gas. It's one of the fastest back threes I can think of. They're not slow, not just in England in in world rugby. Yeah, they are lightning fast. They are three. athletes first and rugby players second. Uh, maybe not Elliot Daly. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> definitely Johnny May. <laughs> Maybe a bit Watson, of Johnny May. Watson somewhere in Watson's the middle. Watson's a mix. Yeah. So what? So what you seem to be saying, JB, is we we should we should should match up with France. Well, big this man, is it. big man, quick man. Uh, but I, I'm 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 going no. What I, what I want to see and what I think the reason why people want Anthony Watson uh, tr- tried at fullback. Let's see if he can do it. Is because the danger in those wide channels of Daily May Watson um, could wreak havoc. And that's what I want Owen Farrell to unlock. Yeah, so I don't think that's going to happen because I haven't seen Owen Farrell do that in that position yet. Um, he, he did for the, he kind of did for the Lions, I guess, but not not for England. And do you know well, what? Not not for England in this Six Nations. No, he has done repeatedly previously. Well, I kind of think that a good attack is not about great attacking players. I mean, they help definitely. <laughs> great attack is more about um, is more about systems. You know, look at Exeter Chiefs. You wouldn't say. They have the greatest attacking players. Uh, maybe Henry Slade is their outstanding talent there. But they do play lovely, atta- lovely attacking rugby. And that's where, in- where England let themselves down. What you're doing is you're picking a second playmaker who's not been too effective, but what are you giving up for that? And quite frankly, it is, it is the defence in the matchups. So that- I don't think it's going to be the be-all or end-all. I think that will happen up front somewhere. But it is an interesting one. Now, I- just on that point, can kind of your... So- Tim, you're quite happy having Owen Farrell as the second playmaker. Jay, you're calling for a change and putting yeah. Farrell inside. I'm actually quite... Oh, well, I, I did say at the weekend that I, I would quite like to see Farrell, Teo, Joseph, but I'm, I'm not unhappy with it. As Farrell, Teo, Teo, Joseph must make you more excited than Ford, Farrell, Teo. Uh, it's your balance for a start. Teo is, is distributing not good enough at international level. But I kind of think they should get the extra playmaker from fullback. Well, you could do if you had someone like Good in the squad. Ugh, but messed up. I, I'm actually, I'm trying to work out if it's uh, just Eddie Jones being stubborn or if it's the right thing to do. But at the moment, I'm quite positive that Eddie Jones has stuck with the two playmaker system, which is a system that, uh, until last weekend, had worked very well for England mm-hmm. in general. I, I do take your point that the attack in general in this Six Nations hasn't been great. They scored some nice set-piece tries against Italy, but then I think Tok H would score some nice set-piece tries against Italy. One or two, I guess. They're very well coached. <laughs> um, so I, th- I think that's that's probably credit to Eddie Jones. The problem I have with um, almost his stubbornness is 
I really would have liked to see a change in the back row. I would have liked to see not playing with three flankers. It's what I've mentioned before. And someone more athletic in there, be it Haskell, Underhill, who's obviously injured, or Simmons. Interesting. I don't think Haskell's more athletic than Courtney Laws. No, he's not. You're absolutely right there. He isn't. But the silly which Phil said last week, which I think he's alluding to, is I think what you mean is pace the breakdown rather than sheer athleticism. Because if that was the case, Johnny May would play <laughs> yeah. play in the back row. Okay, So sheer athleticism and timing to the breakdown are two complete, completely different things. And that's what Haskell has in, in, yeah, in abundance. If I think of one position on the pitch that is ideally placed to just smash rucks all day long, like yeah. think about teams you've played in. Okay. Which position above do you reckon hits the most rucks in a game? That's it's a good question. Six or oh, yeah, yeah. six yeah, or yeah, second you're, rule, you're probably right. Yeah. So so I don't I kind of don't understand I I, I go back to the, the way I broke down the England's game against Scotland is it wasn't a, a personnel issue, it was a intelligence and tactical issue. They just didn't commit the men to the breakdown. But Courtney Laws is the perfect man if you want someone just to smash rucks. I understand if you want to bring a, a different type of play to the game and then you want to, might want a Sam Simmons. Uh, I totally get that. But the, the sort of question mark that's been thrown around today is like, well, they've got to sort the breakdown out. That's why we needed Haskell, not Courtney Laws. Well, yeah, I completely on. agree with that. Locks are, locks are the men that d- just smash rucks all day long. Yeah, but there's a certain balance, isn't there? And I think the risk with playing Haskell and having calling him to come in you know, for what three weeks or something like that? Longer, longer probably, and Ye- five years. You've five, been yeah, five years. So where does he do? Where does he do his good work? He does his good work against against people that are, that are jackling. I'm telling you now, John okay, Barkley. Actually, no, I, th- I think we're rewriting history a little bit. What what Haskell was famed for, and what he was incredible at in Australia, and what he was in the team for was defence. Yes. So he does two things. He adds substantially to your tackle count, and going forward, he. Basically protects your rucks. I mean, those those, those was two things. I, I think that's pretty uncon- uncontroversial. Um, with, with with a shift in mentality, I think England have got the men to take care of their own breakdown. They just need to not be brain dead. I don't, well, yeah, maybe. I, I mean, you might be right. And two weeks worth of training, at, you know, doing nothing but breakdown work might see a completely different England. Yeah. But, but here here is the crux of of the matter, and this is where it might go a bit wrong, is. The, the whole Haskell theory about bringing on Haskell against John Barkley or against Hooper or Pocock, well, that's great. But if you don't do that, he then all of a sudden becomes less effective because you need him to do some ball carrying, which is when you need a Sam Simmons or a Courtney Laws who can do some great some ball, ball carrying. carrying. Yep. And, and, that, and that's a dilemma that you face. Yeah. So Haskell is not the complete player. Yes, he's, exactly He's right. very good in a narrow field. Yeah. But like, who is the complete player? Do you try and find me one because everyone does things slightly differently. Yeah, who is the complete player? The complete back rower. The complete forward. I would have said probably twelve months ago. I, w- I almost would have said Itoji. Yeah, as a complete forward because he does everything. Sean O'Brien is the complete forward. Actually, he's pretty good. Yeah, Sean O'Brien is the most complete forward I, I know of. But even with Sean O'Brien, they were going with Sean O'Brien, Stander, and Heaslip at one point. And even that balance didn't work. They even needed Omani there. Yeah, because Omani's so good in the line-out. And I mean, I'd actually say, over the last year or so, Courtney Laws hasn't been far off it. Yeah, he's I think Courtney Laws... Line- he's an incredible line-out forward. He's improved his ball-carrying exponentially, and he's a massively destructive defender. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. I, I think he's probably one of England's better players, and... I think I'd have him on a short list of potential captains uh, should Farrell, not, Farrell or Hartley not be around. 
I'm not sure about that. Just just because I've never seen that leadership role. Mm. So I don't think he's ever done it. I think he, and does, it's, it's think he has at Northampton. Uh, maybe when Hartley... In fact, I maybe think when he Hart- might have even been club captain. When Hartley and Tom Wood were not there. Mm. Mm, I'm not sure. I can't recall it. Um, anyway, so maybe, yeah, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on... on well, I never actually said laws, but by... Uh, it does just disappoint me that there's three um, second rows in there. But, to their credit, Laws, Annie Toji, and Launchbury on their day are probably as almost as athletic as most back rows. Yeah. Uh, so, mm. do, do you think France will be able to get one, one over on them up front? It seems a weird game to be playing against the French to try and uh, arm, wrestle them to, arm wrestle them to death. Hmm. I'm not sure about the French pack. They've got some outstanding players. That second row is not great from France. Who who is in 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 the second row again? It is Vahamina. Va- yeah, thank the, you. The penalty machine, Vahamina. But if, he he is massive though. He he's massive. Uh, Will Skelton's massive. massive. Yeah, Tony Buckley was massive. <laughs> Avion Lewis Roberts is massive. Legend. <laughs> <laughs> future uh, whale tight head prop. Yeah. Avion Lewis Roberts. <laughs> That's the one. Future reserve. <laughs> future backup. Uh, and they've also got Paul Gab- uh, Gabrielarges. Where's he from? Is he from Leon, by any chance? Don't know. <laughs> Off the top of my head. He is from... Stade Francais. Oh, never... oh, is he young? 24. Yeah, I'm sure he played very... I'm sure his lad is playing very, very well against Bath in the in the final. Hmm. Very well, actually. Um, okay, so I, I guess the myth about the French team is they're big, they're fat, and uh, they're going to be going to be unfit. But you just have to look at Guillaume Girardot's stats to see that isn't quite the whole story here. It's not true right across the board. I would question some of their conditioning. Yeah, and Matthew Bastros, but like he plays <laughs> in uh, a way unusual to anyone else on earth. So true. he gets away with it. Uh, it's going to be far tighter than people think this. Well, wanna... yeah, I was just, I was just going to say, I, I think England will edge it, but I think they will only edge it, and and I could, that will leave a lot of the, again, I think the negativity. I, what I predict is England will have a narrow win, which we should be delighted about, and the negativity will continue, um, but and pe- people will have completely erased from their mind that Ireland, who I believe will go into the final weekend with four wins, yeah, uh, to their name. Um, they only just beat France with a, a very, very fortunate injury time drop goal. Uh, it's so difficult, True. right? Because France are on their third fly half. They've had a sex scandal. <laughs> uh, they've got a new coach. They, you know, so the team they, that they lost, dropped half their team. Yeah. So the team that only lost to Ireland by one point, they're wearing the same shirts, but they're not the same people. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I don't know. Until you actually watch the game, I don't know. So, I'm with you, Tim. I think England will win, although I think probably slightly better than uh, than Ireland did because it is a completely different France team. And and I do think I, I will give some anticipated credit here to the England coaching team. I think they will learn some lessons. I think they'll learn quite a few lessons, particularly in defensive shape and particularly around the breakdown from that um, that Scotland game. So I think England will win by kind of five, seven points, something mm. like that. But then the all of the negativity in the press will flip to 
back to being positive and back to focusing on the All Blacks rather than focusing on the big game, which is Ireland, who are probably the second best team in the world. I just and got, then England will lose to Ireland. Do you know, I've got a horrible feeling that England are going to have one hell of a beating in camp. One hell of a beating by, by, by Eddie. And France is going to be... Paris is going to be absolutely electric. Pretty, pretty exciting. Anyway, oh, hang on. Uh, we've lost Tim. Ooh. Uh, I think we'll just crack on. And if you can join us in a minute, that will be absolutely great. Um, yeah, is there, is there anything you want to add to this? Think- are, are you convinced yet that England are going to lose? Have I convinced you? Um, you've certainly sowed some seeds of doubt in my mind. I am. I was thinking about this before. I am questioning England more than I ever have done before. And I'm sure a good chunk of that is down to you and your negativity. And me texting you all, all day <laughs> on various groups. Hashtag downfall 2018. Yeah, everywhere you look. Everywhere. Texting me, emailing me, work phone, personal phone. Well, do you know what? Uh, Eng- England's saving grace in this game, if they do win, it will be French disorganisation. Uh, and just as a little thought experiment now, what sort of national disaster would it be if England were down to their third fly half? And their fo- who would be the- and who would be on the bench? Ooh. Well, their third fly half uh, would probably be Magic Marcus. It would. Who's what? He's only a year away from do- from taking over the fourth anyway. <laughs> True. He's incredibly talented. He's only played about twenty games of top flight rugby, and he's nineteen years. And he's old. amazing. He is amazing. Um. <laughs> Behind him, there's been a number of fly halves in the squad, uh, including Slade. Nope. Malinder. Nope. No. Not uh, him. Piers Francis. That is, yep. Yeah, now, this is actual um, national disaster now. Actual national disasters. If Piers Francis was playing for England, if if it got to that, that's a humanitarian crisis. I think the UN steps in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'd, be to be bench. honest, Piers so, Francis would be on the bench. Well, well, and Marcus would be starting. Cipriani hasn't been called up to an oh, Eddie Jones yeah. squad, as far as I can remember. All those others have been called up to Eddie Jones squad, but surely you just bring in Sippers. Yeah, surely. Yeah, I mean, if your life, yeah, if you if your job depends on it, in the same way that. Wigglesworth has not really been involved in the England squad. But in a different one, he, he's like a in. safe pair of hands. He's trusted. He's professional. He has <laughs> the right, you know, he brings an apple to training. You know, <laughs> a teacher's pet. Exactly. That's what Wigglesworth is. He's not Cipriani. But Cipriani. Cipriani not... arrives with his windows down, his, <laughs> his music blaring. For, with a, a bottle of vodka that he's stolen from the nightclub Egg. The, the night before. Exactly. Not even drinking it, just pouring it on the floor for reasons <laughs> unknown. <laughs> Uh, I think Cipriani has calmed down a lot. Cipriani recently, you know, has been on a lot of podcasts. Has he? Yeah, he seems to be like reinventing. I, I, I guess the thing is, when you spend most of your life trying to, you know, convince yourself that you're some sort of urban bad boy, and then you mellow out when you become like thirty, <laughs> you, you know, you, you sort of have this this awakening. What have I been doing? And I think he's going through at the moment. He's on the Joey Barton podcast of of, of all things. I think the the more important question is not what have I been doing, is what am I going to do with the next 50 years of my life? <laughs> yeah. in, in 50 years' time, how am I going to be living? How am I going to be paying for stuff? Uh, what's a grisly <laughs> question. Uh, yeah, enough of Dan- Dan- Danny Cipriani. There is other rugby to be discussed too, Phil. There is. We've probably uh, disproportionately discussed England because well, because the biggest game of this weekend is not England. 
It's Bath versus Northampton. <laughs> in the Anglo-Welsh Cup. Yeah, that's the one. I still call it the LV. Yeah, free advertising for LV. Yeah, do, do you want to break that one down quickly? Or? Uh, I've not seen any of the teams. Uh, I'm not sure if they're out yet. Bath look very Bathish. All look very like mid-season signings. Uh, Northampton look like they're, they're actually going to really put in a good effort here. So it's at the wreck, this one, isn't it? Yeah, I was only joking when, you, when, when I said, do you want to break it down? But we can. <laughs> no, no. Let's go on to what I think is the bigger game of the weekend. Leinster versus Scarlets. <laughs> Sean O'Brien's playing and he's captaining Leinster. Really? Yeah, yeah. So Sean O'Brien will be playing rugby this weekend. Wow. Just in time for the big one. The, Well, yeah, what might not be the big one if, if your prediction's correct and England lose, it might be the third place playoff. <laughs> For, for England. Yes, quite. Well, no, because there's still a Grand Slam True. at stake. True. And aren't Ireland going to Twickenham? An Ireland winning a Grand Slam at Twickenham would be incredible. Exactly right. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. So, but before that, there is a bigger, a bigger game of the weekend, and that the biggest game of the weekend, in my opinion, is Ireland Scotland. Hmm, is it bigger? I think it is. Ireland, as you've just pointed out, the only unbeaten team. Yes, they are going for a grand slam, and Scotland on the back of a historic win against England. So, I think it is. I think it's a bigger game than England France, France who have been. Uh, let's say mediocre for about five years. So, are Scotland the new France? <laughs> uh, the new France is in the kind of mid-90s France. Yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. Oh, yeah. Are Scotland the new old France? Yeah. Yeah. They I are very good at home. Very and they fling it about. And I tell you who is very French. I mean, unbelievably French, really, is Finn Russell. R- Russell is. So, Russell... Hogg is very French. Yep. Well, less so. And I'll tell you why. Because Hogg is a product of power and athleticism. And he's been to a gym. You know, he's he's done a bit <laughs> of squatting. Whereas Finn Russell has pipe cleaner arms. And <laughs> I think he views rugby more as an art than as a you know, physical endeavour. Which makes him more French than Stuart Hogg. Okay. Um, Laidlaw is in the mould of a petit général. Yes, Laidlaw's very French. And... Hugh Jones has a certain uh, Philippe Seller about him. Mm. The pace, the outside break, the reading of the game. Yeah, if only they had like a Teddy Thomas character to throw in there as well. <laughs> uh, Blair Kinghorn? Perfect. Well, I mean, there is a serious point to this, which is 
They're very good at home, but they're going to Dublin, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is a different beast, and I'm not sure they're going to come out on top at all. In fact, just cast your mind back to week one of the Six Nations and see what Wales did to them. They absolutely battered them. Very true. And is this a good Wales team? Well, it it, it could potentially be a good, good Wales team, but it's you know it's not a classic, is it? I think it is a good Wales team. Uh, I think Scotland... I think there was a couple of issues. One, not having Laidlaw in there. Uh, two, having Hugh Jones at 12 and Chris Harris at 13, rather mm-hmm. than Horn or Dunbar at 12 and, yep. and Hugh Jones at 13. Hugh Jones makes a huge difference. Was he not available for the first game? No, he played 12. Did he? Yeah, because... Huh. So there's no Dunbar... And they went for Hugh Jones at 12. Because he's so mega at 13. Oh, he's phenomenal. He's. I mean, if there was a Lions tour this year, you'd be. You'd expect his name to be in the, the mixer. Him and JD would be fighting it out. Yeah. No two ways about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So, yeah, there's a couple of things. So I think they're a bit more settled. They've got more usual personnel. Um, so I think, I think Scotland, I don't think they're going to win. They're not. But they can cause some issues. And... and one of the few areas where Ireland are weak is when they get stretched out wide mm. defensively. And that's that's Scotland's best attacking threat. How do you see this Ireland team? This is a very, very good Ireland team. Why? Uh, a good Justify co- your opinions. <laughs> good combination of youthfulness and experience. Okay, nice. Right, right across the board. Um, phenomenal experience in a multitude of play, uh, positions and depth. Having guys like McGrath and Henderson and Carberry and Marmion and Lamore all on the bench. I tell you what I think is most most encouraging for them. And Cronin on the bench. Cronin's great, actually. Cronin is one of my favourite hookers. Um, is is it Porter that's on the bench? Porter, the tight head. Now that's what I like. I like the fact they've discovered a young lad who's good enough and he's in already and like just kind of. The guy who's going to develop now over two years, that, that to me is the sign of a great, great team. James Ryan, Dan Levy, Jacob Stockdale. Yeah, God. Young, young lads. All three of them are starting. Yeah. Um, Larmore. Larmore. God. He's on the bench. You're absolutely right. I don't know why I was so blinking on, on, on Porter. Oh, Because they're actually all, over, all over the place. They're all over the place. But then you've got like 50 to 100 cap players all over the place as well. Healy, Rory Best, Devin Toner, Omani, CJ Stander, Connor Murray, Sexton, Keith Earls, Rob Carney. So, so it's such a good mix of the, the, the two things. Here's how I see this, this Ireland team. Brutally efficient. Let's be honest, not particularly flashy. Nope. Um, but they are able to conjure up some magic just through Sexton. So it's almost like Sexton is almost minding them. And when they win, they go through the systems and they do it nice and efficiently. Well, that's fine. But then when they really need to go up another gear, they've got Johnny in reserve. Yeah, they got Johnny in reserve. And then they've got the players, Conor Murray. When they beat the All Blacks in Chicago, Conor Murray was phenomenal. That was, Yeah. Carberry came on and played half the game as well. That, do you know what? The, the Murray performance, the only way I can really describe it is swashbuckling. <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes you watch these these Irish players play, and they are almost ro- robotic in what they do. And the reason that that All Blacks game was so was so great actually is because it all felt like they they were fighting for every inch, and they were trying absolutely everything to get one on one up on their opposite man. Uh, 
So, we're both saying Island win. Yeah, yeah, I'd say big, so. Big win. Uh, don't know. I'm gonna say, yeah, it's gonna be a big win in terms of performances. I think. I think Ireland are gonna comfortably beat them, but I don't think the score is gonna be massive. I don't think that. I don't think that Scotland will score a ton, and I think Ireland will score just not just enough to beat them, but enough to beat them well comfortably. I don't think they'll they'll stretch themselves. I think Ireland by probably seven to ten points. Yeah, agreed. And I think Ireland will build a lead through penalties and uh, playing in the right part of the pitch. Scotland, I can see scoring one or two tries through just the the sheer talent that they've got out wide. What makes this interesting? Like, an early score for, for Scotland? Oh, yeah. Do if, you know, maybe maybe Finn Russell does start chucking it wide and Hugh Jones gets his hands on the ball early. Well, it worked against England. Ooh, I don't know. I, I'm going with Ireland. I'm going with your prediction by seven points. Yeah, I, I think that's that's fairly safe. Just one thing to mention, the young lad who's coming on the wing, Blair Kinghorn, yep. who we mentioned before, very talented player, six foot five, ra- rangy runner. Is he six foot five? Yeah, but he, he he's kind of rangy, leggy runner. Yeah, not, not like a like Sam James. Not a bit more rangy than Sam James. I'd Sam say. James six foot four. Yeah, but he's not a rangy runner. No, he's not. He's a willowy runner. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think who he's like in terms of running style. Uh, well, so let's think of big lads. Like, George North is broadly that height. But he's way heavier. Way heavier. Vis- Visser, way heavier. Julian Surveyor, way heavier. Um, who would be... Who's that? What about a... Um, I was going to say, like, a Visser, but he's pretty powerful. Yeah, I'm th- thinking more like a, a Haley-type runner. Ooh. He's probably not quite that tall. Yeah, because Haley's about 6'3". Yeah, he, he's a tall, tall slender. He's, he's that kind of build rather than the Visser. George North type. The powerful athlete. Yeah. But no, good run. He's still only very young as well. I'm sure he's only 21. Um, but he's, he's a handy player. Plays most of his rugby at fullback for Edinburgh. So watch out for him. But it's a hell of a place to go to make your... Well, I'm pretty sure this is his... Uh, if it's not his debut... A very er- a very it's, early it's on his game. his first couple of caps. And he's certainly not started a Six Nations game before. And he's got uh, Stockdale in front of him probably. Yeah. Stockers. He's, he's about the same age, but he, he's a bigger, stronger boy. Hmm. Stockers is about, probably about 6'3", but maybe 10 kg heavier than than Blair Kinghorn. Uh, last game, then, is Wales versus Italy. I'm not going to lie. This is the fixture of the tournament that never inspires me. <laughs> um, so this will be taking place in between us watching... Spain demolish a weekend Germany team. Yep. And us doing a live podcast. Yeah, that is correct. So we will probably have other things on our mind. Y- yes, correct. Like necking bottles of car with the uh, Spanish... The, the King of Spain. Ashley, the King of Spain is going to the game. Ashley Giles is going to the oh. game. <laughs> That's such an in-joke, mate. <laughs> That's not an in- That is a genuine... That is an in-joke. <laughs> That's his nickname. If you go on Ashley Giles' Wiki, Wikipedia page, he's known as the King of Spain. The King of Spain, because I, I think it was a misprint or a mistype. <laughs> the King of Spin came up as the King of Spain. Anyway, so Ashley Giles is going to be. At the, I can't believe that. That's, that. that's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah, 
if it wasn't going to be cool enough, the King of Spain is going to be there. So, yeah. I've got a feeling we're going to spend a lot more time watching rugby in Spain than we ever thought possible, even a, even a year ago. Absolutely. I cannot wait. Um, wait very quickly onto the Wales team. What do you want to say about it? And I'll agree, uh, and I'll agree with you when we can go home. <laughs> I can say anything. Yeah, pretty much. Gatlin's lost the plot. Yeah, fine. <laughs> um, it's interesting, actually, to, to hear Gatlin say he thinks perhaps playing bigger was a mistake. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I see that. I was surprised when he did it, actually. Yeah, I was. Now, he's almost gone too far the other way in this. Instead of having the tried and trusted, the biggest, the half pennies, he's changed half the team. Um, he's brought in, well, Gareth Ainscombe starts. Uh, Owen Watkins is in there. James Davis, Tipperick, obviously, is back in. Bradley Davis, Elliot D, Nicky Smith, all start. Now, this feels... Does Rob Evans start? Rob Evans on the bench. I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm done. On the bench, Rob Evans, Seb Davis, Ellis Jenkins, Alad Davis, Patchell, and Halfpenny's on the bench. I mean, why is Halfpenny on the bench? Halfpenny start. This, this is the same conundrum with Mike Brown. It is, isn't Mike it? Brown and Halfpenny start or nothing. Yeah, the boring fly hot... Uh, bo- Actually, why would you... I mean, I actually can see an argument for bringing on Halfpenny to make, it, to make a difference. Because he's more attacking than Mike Brown, but more importantly, he's better than Mike Brown p- positionally, and does allow you to play defensively with your fullback uh, with your wings up. But I, w- I would disagree. He's more attacking than Mike Brown. Oh, I, I, w- I would agree. He's probably defensively about that. Uh, I mean, I think you watch him, at, watch him at the Scarlets nowadays, and he's he's like a player reborn. He's it's like he's found Jesus. He still does all the same thing. It's just the players around him are doing brilliant things. He's actually, he's actually started scoring tries. <laughs> I've, I've, he's scored a couple. Of, he's finished off a couple of tries. I'll go. I'll give you that. Yeah, I mean, Mike Brown. I think he's had like, because I know this because he's in my fantasy team. I'm like, why is Mike, <laughs> Mike Brown not scoring? Not scoring more. I'm sure he's gone for almost a year without scoring for Harlequins. Maybe. Yeah, but he has had. Uh, I think maybe even the this, last. By, the this, last three... this was last year, by the way. Maybe even the last three Six Nations where he's been most meters made, most defenders beaten, uh, and up there in the, the try scoring charts as well. It's not as good as Halfpenny, and that's the end of that. <laughs> but the reason I say this is um, Gatlin possibly going too far. So that team that he's got on paper there is mm. never going to play together again. No, never. Agreed. Never, ever, ever. So you're seeing combinations that will just never happen in serious games. So it's almost pointless. I'd much rather see, well, drop in Tipperick instead of uh, Navidi, perhaps, or yep. or James Davis instead of Navidi, perhaps. Drop in Elliot D, uh, Hooker, perhaps. Drop in Gareth Anscombe, perhaps. But don't do it all at once. Yeah, like throw them in bit by bit. Because the problem is, if you have a bad game, you might never play international rugby again. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you have a real shocker, and maybe you're having a shocker because everyone around you isn't quite as good as the players that you could have around you. Yeah. And it's a conundrum because no one ever wants to say, no, I don't want that international cap. But maybe you're better off not having it <laughs> with these guys. I mean, they're, they're not bad players. Of course they're not. And I'm not... I'm actually... I'm putting this in the wrong way. I'm making out that because they are lesser players that, you know, it's bad for the individual playing. What I mean is the lesser, the less established combinations. Yes. I mean, that, that's, that's the that's more important one. Yeah, that's my point. Because it's not... You drop any one of those players and it's absolutely fine and it's good and you can see them in the proper team and the proper system. Yes. You change half the team 
and it's not the same systems and it's not the same team. This is one where Italy could sneak it. If they were half decent, they could push Wales here. I think that's the problem. Italy, as I've repeatedly said, half a dozen very good players. The rest are... They need to get Pledre in that side. Mediocre. Yeah, Pledre would be a, a good addition. But I think Wales, even with this team, I think Wales will win quite comfortably. And I think probably more importantly for Wales than any individual performance is their ambition to go wide, which Gatlin has demonstrated in this team. So hopefully Gat- hopefully we'll see some of that. Um, now, as for Italy, um, yeah, they've got their quote-unquote stars. Um, there is a guy who plays for... Benetton, who I'd love to see have a bit more of a crack. I mean, he must be injured. I think his name's Espadoza. Esposito. Esposito, thank you. Like the Justin Bieber song. That's the one, yeah. Uh, who the play, winger. Plays on the wing. And he's a really good player. <laughs> yeah. So that's everything I've got to say about Italy and Wales. <laughs> uh, very good. So, big Wales win? Maybe. <laughs> Don't know. Okay. Wales to struggle through it. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? There's been a couple of other stories this week, but maybe we should save them for the oh. There is the one story. Podcast. There is one story. My favourite story of maybe the last two years. I am not. I am not uncorking this one until we are live on stage <laughs> in Madrid, and I simply can't. Wait. It's not even a rugby union story, and I just can't wait to talk about it at length, maybe for <laughs> a, cu- a couple of hours. Some of the quotes from the story that you are referring to are, oh, are incredible. It's glorious. So if you're, if you happen to be in Madrid on yep. Saturday or Sunday, come and say hello. Yeah, um, do that. If not, you'll have to wait till Monday's podcast, which hopefully we will we'll get out on Monday. We will get something out on oh, Monday. Can you imagine? Um, but yeah, if you are in Madrid, we will be in O'Neill's on Saturday afternoon for the game. We will be at the uh, Federation of Spanish Rugby Stadium to watch the game and the live podcast will be kicking off at 7pm. 7pm, right? 7pm, 7pm, 7pm. At O'Neill's, straight after uh, Wales, Italy. If you see us around, say hi, have a beer with us. We'll talk. Don't about... look me in the eyes. <laughs> look at the floor. <laughs> and we'll talk about all things rugby. And you can ask us, does JB really support Sale? I don't. You can ask Tim Cocker to show you his world record winning pint. Yep. Which he will gladly do over and over and over again. He, yep, he does, will. Does it on demand? Do you know why? He d- uh, should I can I tell it? No, I, I, I won't. I, I won't tell it. I won't tell you that story unless he's here. Okay. You can tell it in Madrid, though. Just like you'll be telling everyone the Ellis Genge story. Correct. Right, so subscribe, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever the kids do nowadays. Um, Apple Podcast, I think it's called now. There's I, uh, uh, there's Acast. There's all sorts of channels and ways to find us, so go and do that. And if we don't see you in Madrid, we'll see you Monday. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>